0: Well, good afternoon and welcome. This is Ian Thompson, the host of your podcast, Your Longest Life, the podcast about how to live your best life to 100 and beyond. Wouldn't that be great, Lisa? Would be great.
1: As long as we have the quality of life.
0: <laughs> there you go. Quality of life. Well, my guest today is Lisa. And uh, Lisa is here. She's going to talk about uh, everything about seniors and Life Source. Senior Life Source is your name of your group. Tell us more about that, Lisa.
1: Sure. Uh, so Senior Life Source is a charity nonprofit. Um, we provide education on aging for all ages. And our mission is really to you know help people become better um, confident advocates for themselves and their loved ones uh, by preparing them with the knowledge and resources that you know, we need to make these informed decisions and important decisions about you know, desired care in later life. So we do that by providing educational panels uh, from local experts, um, connecting community to resources and answering um, all their questions on aging.
0: Excellent. Now you have a PhD in, uh, in what?
1: Sociology um, with okay. specialization in aging and health.
0: Excellent. So that would help me understand what is a social gerontologist?
1: Sure. Uh, So a social gerontologist, uh, we do research on uh, the social lives of older adults. So we look at all kinds of topics, family relationships, health, retirement, caregiving, widowhood, end of life, living arrangements, social inequality, quality of life yeah, long-term care communities, nursing homes, and assisted living, which is really my specialty. Um, And so we're kind of a subset of sociologists, which is why I went that route. Um, You know, sociologists has a term called structuration and it's the two-way process of, you know, we shape our world and in turn, our world also shapes us. Mm -hmm. And so for social gerontologists, you know, learning how society influences the individual and vice versa, you know, is really key to understanding uh, the lives and the needs of, of older adults. And also, you know, our research helps to shape, you know, the policies and procedures around all um, aging issues. So we're different than you know, geriatrics, which is you know, the medicine side, the medical mm-hmm. study of aging, which is geriatricians and geriatric physicians who work to really prevent um, and treat diseases.
0: And this seems to be, you know, the more I'm I'm digging into this topic, there's more, more and more discussion and interest in the mindset of people and how that is as important, more important than a lot of other things as we age, how we're looking at ourselves, how we're thinking about things.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You find that as well, right?
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely.
0: Were there certain concerns that you heard every day that made you get started in this? Or what was the trigger that made you thought, hey, this is something I should be I should be um, doing?
1: Well, originally um, I started out in the industry as a social worker uh, in the nursing homes. Okay. And um, I worked there for about five years and I became really frustrated, you know, with the bureaucracy and the red tape, um, kind of affected my ability to do my job as I wanted to. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that kind of, triggered me to go back to grad school. I wanted to learn more about the overall system of long-term care um, and, and really kind of delve into that area um, and see you know, what's causing some of the problems and are there ways to fix them? Um, so that's really what got me into it.
0: When you first started, were, were most people more concerned about money than then the mindset, like if I'm thinking about if I'm going to live longer and longer, I'm going to run out of money. Was that was that a did that come up more? or, um, or not as much?
1: Um, I think that uh, people didn't really think about things at all until it happened, until it came up, uh, which is one of the big problems. Right. You know, wait till a crisis situation happens and then you try to scramble to find the resources and the trusted people to help provide services and, and things like that. Um, And so I think we're just now starting to really begin even thinking about what we need and what happens. And yes, um, you know, outliving your money now is very common, especially, you know, for living 10, 20 plus years past retirement Mm -hmm. um, and for the people, especially who need long-term care services um, and didn't plan ahead for, for that. So, and now, especially with the pandemic, even with people that do have some kind of retirement plan or long-term care plan, you know, they're gonna have to reevaluate, you know, the situation is what what we're finding. Um, But, you know, I like to think of us as kind of like the preventative versus curative. You know, we want to get people thinking about things, talking about things, normalizing, you know, the aging is happening to everyone. We're all growing older, right? We all have to address it, um, you know. And within by twenty thirty, you know, the U.S. population will be most more sixty five people than um, under the age of five, which is the first time ever. Um, the world is aging. Global aging is happening, um, and so the likelihood that. You and I know people in our circle that is either dealing with aging issues themselves or caring for an aging relative or will soon be doing so. You know, we just can't escape it, but yet we hold back. We don't talk about things until, you know, we're forced to. So the whole point is just to start talking about things and, you know, letting people know what's out there. And so when a situation comes up, they're prepared.
0: Do you get a sense of why we do that? That's a big question. But you know, why do we? Are we we just like denial is a great place to live. I'm sure you've heard that before, right? Why we all seem to be that way, isn't it? Everything's fine until it isn't. I, and yeah,
1: yeah, we all like to, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know, kind of thing. We um, we don't like to think Well, especially when it comes to aging, because um, with aging um, comes death. And we don't like to talk about it. It's just in our culture, you know, um, and then, you know, our ages, attitudes, negative thoughts and fears about aging keeps us from wanting to talk about these things, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so we really need to start educating people about the aging process in general. At younger ages, you know, we need more age integration throughout our life course, you know, not and more intergenerational interactions and not just, you know, uh, grandparent, grandchild relationships, yes. like really, you know, friendships and things um, and like that, and that can definitely help.
0: Well, let's get to the reason that I met you first online. I saw your article, uh, your post about the 10 common misconceptions about aging. I, I love this picture of this fellow here holding the surfboard. I said to my wife, he's my new idol, this guy. He looks <laughs> like a Holy man, <laughs> I got some work to do
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> before we get there. But um, okay, I'm just going to say number one here and then, and then you can kind of give us some ideas here. Number one, older adults in good health is the result of good genetics. Misconception. Correct. Yes. And you talked so, about, what yeah. is it, only 25%?
1: Mm-hmm. 25% about of the diversity in, yeah, in longevity is explained by genetics. Um, the other 75% is very largely the result of, you know, your social and your physical environments. Um, it's this cumulative impact um, that, that ha- it has on people. Um, mm-hmm. It's also shaped by um, the people um, that we come across in our life course.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because it, I, I think it is what people think, you know, oh, my mom and dad are in their 90s, therefore I'm going to make it that far, but not mm-hmm. necessarily.
1: Yeah, not necessarily, definitely. And and we think about even there's talk about, you know, cumulative disadvantages, you know, for um, certain minority groups and, and, and things. So, and it's different by Uh, between men and women, you know, so there's all all these factors. So
0: what's a cumulative disadvantage?
1: That's things that like add up over over your lifetime. So if you start off by if you're, you know, your mother has um, maybe poor habits while she's pregnant, you know, you start being disadvantaged by that. And then maybe if you live in a neighborhood where there's some kind of plant or something that's not good for your health nearby, that adds up. Um, if your family is unable to provide you with you know healthy foods, you know, and you just eat what you can. So you see what I'm saying? It just add, 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 adds up. So it's this cumulative, cumulative cumulative disadvantage.
0: Right. Number two, the only predicator of good health as an older adult is the absence of disease. Talk about that for a minute
1: oh yeah so um <laughs> a lot of us like to just think that oh um well i don't have disease so you know i'm 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 in good health but you I'm know okay.
2: there's,
1: yeah i'm okay and which you know which is is true it's a good predictor um you know but there's other things you know are you still able to do the things that you like you know um and physically and you know you have the mental capacities to do things and to live and enjoy your life so it's your health and your well-being um, in addition to just you know whether or not you have the presence or absence of disease.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess those things you can control and you can't control I mean some things are just going to happen to you not much you can do about that mm-hmm. but you're, you're really your emphasis here is to focus on things you can control.
2: Yes yes. Mm-hmm.
0: How about this one all older adults are the same you know what they're all 185 year olds like another one lisa That's right
1: not <laughs> yeah we all like to clump people you know it's normal we like to categorize things put them in these nice little boxes it helps us keep things you know together but it also creates this us versus them type of attitude but but yeah um like i said in my in my little article you know a lot of people say, if you've seen 185-year-old, you've seen 185-year-old, right? Um, the, j- just alone, you know, the baby boom generation is very diverse. Um, and so we have to keep that in mind. Um,
0: Can you tell in that baby boom generation, this, this bracket of it has a different mindset than this bracket of it? Like it's changing over time, the mindset of what people think. As they look into retirement.
1: Well, yes, and that's also you know some of the difficulties with like putting like generational time stamps on things is that yes, like the younger boomers will probably have different uh, mindsets as the, the older boomers even because there is that that span um, of change of ideas and things, but um, yeah, it's it's. It's a continuation of an evolving of mindsets. Um, But there'll be some similarities and differences in in every generation. And because it's just, we're all individuals. And um, so we really need to keep that in mind that there's never a one size fits all for any issue uh, in particular with all the um, aging situations that come up.
0: This is an interesting one. Most older adults, number four, say will end up in a nursing home.
1: Oh yeah, this is huge. Um, you know, we, only about 5% end up in a nursing home for the remainder of their years. And you know, that's not a large percent, but we think of you know, old age ending up in a nursing home. Um, yes. Now, you know, there, there is, it is true that they say now around 70% of the older adults will need some kind of long-term care assistance and services, but it's just for short-term. So for instance, maybe I need a knee replacement and I go in for surgery and then I, you know, for some reason I can't recover at home, I go mm-hmm. into maybe a nursing home and they provide the therapy needed to recover and then go home. So it's, it's mostly short-term. So yeah, so there, the, the probability of you needing some kind of long-term care services is high, but not like end of life.
0: Is that one of the challenges, those challenges that society has then is the capacity to deal with these people, deal with us as we this big group comes up into needing more care? Are there enough nursing homes? Is there enough medical capacity for all of us living longer? It has to be a problem.
1: It's is huge. It not- I've, I've actually done a lot of research and written um, articles and webinars and things on what we call Uh, the long-term care crisis, labor force crisis. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I don't like saying crisis, but it is, uh, you know, there's, there's not, at this point, there's not enough um, healthcare workers that, you know, will be out there, at least in the U.S., you know, to, to care for.
0: I'm sure it's the same here. Yeah,
1: Um, and it's a huge problem, and there's been a lot of a lot of wonderful, smart people talking about it, providing solutions and recommendations for it. It's just actually getting, again, getting the people to think about things, you know, the, the healthcare industry moving forward, you know, doing the things to help prevent, prevent it from getting worse.
0: So this puts even more of the emphasis on than if you're healthy of a certain... Age, whatever age you are, then how do you stay that way? How do you stay out of long-term care? How do you stay out of this jammed, mm-hmm. backed-up system? That's really what the goal is, isn't it?
1: it? It is the goal, but it's also important to, as I like to tell people, you know, nowadays there's a lot of different options, and we're all very um, adamant that we want to age in place in the home, and that's that's understandable. But there's a lot more options now if you can't, and so um, it's not just home or nursing home, right? There's this, there's this continuous care communities that you can, um, become a part of. And so a big part that I like to do is educate people on those different options. And it doesn't mean, um, that you can't still enjoy your life. So yes, you don't want to end up, you know, in a nursing home maybe, but there are, Our ways, you know, to stay healthy and to continue doing things, but even, you know, allowing for some assistance, you Mm -hmm. can still have that quality of life and we really need to I I try to work on getting rid of that stigma of you know. um, Long term care communities like assisted living. um, Like I mentioned the life plan communities uh, retirement communities and things that really can offer services for people that we didn't have before. Um, so, yes, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, but, you know, there's that balance that I like to try and um, talk to people about.
0: And here we're finding, I don't know if it's the same in San Diego or in the States, but here we're finding there's more families coming together again. Now, I don't know if part of that's COVID, but part of it also is just a feeling that, hey, you know, my parents might be 80 years old and it's going to cost $5,000 for them a month, six to live in a... Retirement home, we could buy a house together, right? We could have a, a ground level secondary suite, and the younger family could live upstairs. And maybe that's something that uh, maybe is going to be more considered normal than it has been.
1: Well, and that's definitely happening uh, for those who can afford to do, do so. And there's the ADUs, um, the adult dwelling units, uh, that are being, they're like, some of them call them little granny pods, which I don't really like that term.
0: Granny pods, right?
1: Well, you just, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's like a little home that sits in the backyard area or something. Um, and so definitely that's a great option for people, you know, that can, can do that. Um, but you know, the, the important point, again, is to talk to your family way before these things are even needed um you know start discussing possibilities of things um what everyone would find ideal how we can do it what do we need to to make this happen you know and that's you know services needed it's finances it's all of the things legal documents um you know and it's just the problem is that we just don't really get into it until again it's like a crisis situation
0: you mentioned something there. I wanted just to pull a thread on a little bit ageism. Yeah. Uh, talk about that. That's a big deal, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's huge. <laughs> um, it's really, you know, and it's a lot of kind of what I like to talk about often in some of my little um, informational pe- pieces. And um, I mean. So the term itself has been around since 1969, yep. it's not a new, it's not a new thing. Okay. Um, let's, let's just start out by, you know, what, what's, you know, defines ageism and it's you know, a set of beliefs about a particular age group. It could be positive, negative, but more often than not, it takes the form of prejudice attitudes and discriminatory behaviors towards older adults. So usually when people talk about ageism, it's focusing on um, the older adults and it's you know prevalent throughout our society and worldwide you know it's in the language we use it's in our employment institutions politics entertainment even our healthcare system
2: yeah
1: um so it's really important and also you know it's like it's the last kind of ism really <laughs> that uh, we're starting to talk about now. It's starting to get out there, you know, um, which is great. Um, but, and it's it's interesting because it's the last to really get into, but we're all affected by it. So, you know, if you talk about racism or sexism, you know, people can always kind of try and ignore that by saying, oh, well, I'm not a minority. It doesn't affect me or I'm right. not a woman. I don't have to worry about it. Or I'm not a part of the LGBTQ community plus community. So um but with ageism it affects everybody in one way or another so it's so surprising that it's just now starting to kind of like pick up um, Mm -hmm. teachers and things but um i like to talk about show examples of just um how much it is ingrained in our culture and a lot of our negative thoughts and and our fears about growing older are due to a lot of misconceptions, which is why I wanted to write that start off by writing that little piece. <laughs> um, and a lot of the times our age's views are even perpetuated unconsciously, you know, we just we don't even really think about it. And so it's important. It's not a comfortable <laughs> um, topic. Yeah. It's not, you know, people don't like being called out. I, you know, happens to me too. I'm I'm human part of the same culture raised in it. You know, I've had to work hard at thinking about things um, and words. And um, so it's just, you know, we, we do that. We challenge ourselves with views and words and interactions regarding racism and sexism and things. So we really need to do the same, you know, regarding ageism. Um, and we need to acknowledge it exists, and we need to recognize the misconceptions. We need to start challenging our outdated <laughs> views, understanding the diversity of our aging population, like I talked about earlier. Um, and you know, doing so, we can kind of recreate these these ideas about what it is to age. You know, we can reinvent ourselves. Um, we can improve our lives our quality of life as we age too.
0: I think it's pretty motivational right now, just thinking about your president, right? He was 78.
1: Yeah, Isn't I know. It? I know. I also, I get upset sometimes. People are like, oh, he's so old. He can't do that. I'm like, listen, yeah. what do you mean? You know, my father's 75. He's still working as a physician. You know, there's, we're, the boomers are great. You know, throughout their, the life course, they've always challenged all these Ideas and things um, from their parents' generation, and I right. knew that once they started aging, that things you know and growing older and doing things that they were going to challenge all of our ideas of what it is to age. And they're they're doing it, and I you know it's exciting, um, but it's still new and fresh, and people aren't mm-hmm. into that. Um, and so,
0: mm-hmm. you know, another one on your list is depression. A misconception is depression's common among older adults. Not true.
1: Um the depression, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the normal part of aging. Um and then so as I mentioned, there's been a lot of research that talks about this kind of U-shaped curve of happiness, levels of happiness, um, with um the lowest at around age 40 and then growing um thereafter. Uh, so uh, really the, the
0: lowest is age 40 which yeah, is funny because I, I mean mm-hmm. I'm 63 I'm thinking hmm, it makes you stop and go really I wonder what was going on then or? yeah what
1: well, the, um, <laughs> you, you think about like you're starting to n- uh, understand your aging and you know going through things you know right um, so maybe you're just questioning things I'm not sure um, but yeah, so I, you know, that's interesting, you know, to, uh, most older adults that I've met and that have, in the research are just, are happy and, 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 living life. And so that's, yeah, that's huge.
0: What about dementia and Alzheimer's? You talk about that as a yeah. uh, misconception.
1: So first it's, you know, I thought it was important. A lot of people use the term interchangeably, you know, dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's, but dementia is actually the general term. Um on Alzheimer's disease is is a common type of dementia. Um, And so, you know, the Alzheimer's Association does a great job of providing descriptions on all the different types. So I wanted to first start out by by making that distinction and then also um, talking about that, you know, the dementia is also not a normal part of aging, right? Um, Our abstract reasoning can increase with age, we have it we had a saying in the nursing home when I was a social worker if you don't use it you lose it and you know right. they mean that not just you know with the mind but also the body you got to walk every day keep moving doing things or else um, and so you know this whole idea of like oh having a senior moment did things you know well <laughs> you know occasionally forgetting something you know an appointment or you know it's typical signs of mild forgetfulness and being human you know it's it's when you start getting into more severe problems right you know physical exercise is important social interaction is important just because you reach a certain age doesn't mean you're more that you're going to definitely experience it
0: okay this next one I find interesting here Um, an individual's chronological age years months and days since birth is the best indicator to determine when someone's considered old not just talk about that
1: yeah yeah so I really like this one, and I actually go into it a little more detail in another um, little informational piece that I wrote. But um, you know, we tend to like to put things in you know age groups. You know, um, so it's really 65 is like an age of people that could say oh, that people are considered old, but it's really just an arbitrary number. Um, and some people say it just started because you know, that was the age when you originally were able to become eligible for Social Security and Medicare. And mm-hmm. it, we kind of do that throughout our life, right? Like 16, you get your license, 18, you can vote, 21, you can drink, you know, and so the word of these numbers, you know, who decided on these things? So, yes. um, So, when determining like kind of this old age idea of being old it's more than just a number right so there's a functional age which takes into consideration um what you can do you know in your in the society um the changes in your body um and and what kind of roles you can perform so Functional age, for instance, you know, as I, I mentioned here, is if you, you someone's let's say sixty-five and they exercise regularly or they look like the gentleman <laughs> in the in the picture, yeah. right? He's you know got a, the physical conditioning of someone in their twenties or thirties. Yeah. While someone also sixty-five could need extensive care for activities of their daily living, dressing and eating and things, um, and so at that. Using sixty-five or as old age, you know, the first guy would disagree. You know, yes. wonderful, wonderful shape. So that's kind of like functional age, um, and the, you know, the way you look could also do that. But you know, of course, now with hair dye and, and Botox and things, that makes it yep. more difficult, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, so.
2: Yes.
1: So um, so that's the kind of the idea of. You know functional age is being a better indicator maybe of of old age um and then you know there's one here which i that i didn't put here but i mentioned elsewhere it's your you know um your subjective age which is more of you know you, that idea of you're only as old as you feel so right. you know, how the individual defines themselves is either being young or old um you know there's ideas of like your social role, like if you think of being a grandparent, you know, what do you picture in your head is that? But, you know, in reality, what if you had children at a very young age and your children also had children young and here you are at 40 and a grandma, you know, it's like, whoa, I can't be, you know, (laughs) because you have this idea in your head of what a grandma should look like, right? So, So it's really not an easy question um what it it takes to be and it depends really you know the gerontologists we use that kind of like for our research you know we use we want to look at different things um so it's i just like to put that out there to get people thinking like well how old would you say you are you know (laughs) after after reading that you know and not just going by your chronological age by someone saying well now you're 65 year old
0: (laughs) right yeah, I'm 63. We don't we don't want to have people talk like that. No, no, yeah, no. no.
1: Let's, don't want let's
0: that. just not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What's this next one? Your older adults contribute little to society. There's a miss.
1: Oh yeah. Miss pers- right? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, they have years of personal experience and skills and work ethic. Um, they can be wonderful, you know, role models and mentors to people um, they also you know volunteer they um provide companionship philanthropy um, they assist small businesses but most importantly nowadays is you know they can retire or start second third careers you know um, right so so just because you're not actually working even doesn't mean that you're not contributing to society and we need to really we're so um, obsessed with our ident- our work identity um, but you know you're more than that.
0: I think that's the uh, the mentor part of uh, the world is more and more prevalent now, isn't it whether it's mentoring I mean you mentor your own kids yeah, what they're doing but also in your business life and yeah some other things you're giving back that way.
1: Yeah. And it's important. It's important to listen because they can tell you things like, well, actually we tried that. Let's not do that again. Here's what we're <laughs> You know, we don't want to reinvent right. the wheel, but also there's reciprocal mentoring too, as the older workers are, you know, learning new skills from the younger workers, especially with like when it comes to technology and things. And <laughs> so I think it can go both ways. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's wonderful on both ends, I think.
0: Um, mm-hmm. 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 Excellent information. And this last one talks about decreasing libido. Hey, you know what? You're old, <laughs> forget it. That's the end for you. Yeah. You just watch TV.
1: Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to talk about it, listen to, la, la, yeah. la, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the where the myth comes from is because we don't even like to talk about it. Um, right. But again, as I mentioned, you know, research find, has found that It does not decline with age people, Mm -hmm. you know, continue to enjoy it, Um, it has a good effect on you know your overall well being feeling close to people and you know it's important for your enjoyment in life. Um, And so yeah. So yeah, that's that's one that I had to throw in there.
0: Absolutely. Another, <laughs> I mean, there's so many. It's,
1: it's really hard to really choose when I was writing this. I was like, oh, but I wanted to kind of keep it short and,
0: yeah.
1: and sweet. But <laughs> well,
0: that's great. Ten common misconceptions about aging. Well, that was fantastic. So Lisa, tell us about where we find Senior Life Source. Or if we want more information, where we find you online, right?
1: Sure. I have a website, uh, seniorlifesource.org um, you can reach out to me there. Um, I, I liked, this is where you found, um, find my uh, little informational pieces. I'm always trying to, I know I just started doing them. So, um, it's mostly just to get people to start thinking about yeah, age different age, you know, in different areas. Um, and so I have a personal story of, you know, doing something with my, with my mom, um, with photographs yep. during the pandemic, you know, so it's just, um, that's kind of where I'm going. And then, of course, you know, with providing the educational panels and things.
0: Yeah, Great. Well, thank you. My guest today has been Lisa Rill from the SeniorLifeSource.org based in San Diego. Thank you very much, Lisa. I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.